1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: That's not a violation, studs? Trash Panda? You no, yet? I don't think
3: so.
2: All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll find out soon enough. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenbloom. Mark Grody with you. Saturday, suckage. We go to... The Scores Hotline. And the Scores Hotline is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. You're going to have to press the button, studs. And we're going to bring in Tom Thayer of WBBM, 780 AM, our brother station. And one of the many part of uh, radio polygamy areas that Mark Rohde dabbles in. And (laughs) 105.9 FM. Proudly dabbles in. Proudly dabbles in. And we welcome back to the show... Tom Thayer. Tom, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it.
4: Oh, my pleasure to be on Saturday Suckage with you guys. I listen to you every Saturday when I'm driving around. Nice to be a part of it.
2: Well, we're happy you're here. I was pointing out reasons the Bears good omens for the Bears tomorrow. And one is that Cliff Kingsbury can't win out of a bye. He's omen two. And another reason is his team stink in the second half of the year. They go two and five and two and five. And also the idea of Kyler Murray, the number one quarter, number one rated quarterback in the NFL, not being available, and DeAndre Hopkins, the their top receiver, not being available, and the weather being a factor, um, Stevie Sunshine's trying to bring hope to a Bears team that is coming off a an over celebrated victory over a winless team. So, how do you view what the Bears are walking into tomorrow against the Cardinals?
4: You know, I, I agree with everything you say, but I also think that, you know, the Bears have to come out and play confident football early because uh, Arizona might come in here overconfident, thinking oh, all we have to do is show up and we're going to beat the Bears and let's take another victory home. But, you know, I, I did look up the temperature and I think the low temperature during the day this week in Arizona was like 76 degrees. And <laughs> um, tomorrow... It's going to, you know, there is going to be a midday chance of rain. It's going to be in the 40s. There's going to be a 15-mile-an-hour win. And you know how that affects the specialists, the kickers and the punters and everybody. And, listen, when you get off the plane um, and it's a significant temperature difference one way or the other, it, it can be a factor in the course of the game. And from the bad examples of the 85 when we played down in Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football to – you know, the other times teams have come in here hoping for nice weather, and it's been crappy, and it, it, is, it has been a factor because the sooner you start getting beat, the colder it gets on the sideline.
5: <laughs> you know it's a great example of that, Tom? You remember in uh, 2018 when the L.A. Rams came to Soldier Field? They wanted Jared Goff and those guys. They wanted no part of the Bears. That's kind of an example of what you're talking about, isn't it?
4: Exactly, 100%. And that's the thing about it is – if you can get some good hits on uh, some of the better position players they have from the offensive uh, from the Bears' defense to their offensive side of the ball, and if you can be physical against their defense at the line of scrimmage, and a guy like Dave Montgomery, how physical he's willing to run, you know, you can take a little sting out of the the operation from those guys, and they'll just want to. You know, I mean, you kind of hope that you can penetrate them enough where they want to fold their tents up and go home. But you're going to have to do it early. If you don't, if you just go there and you allow those guys to be more physical, then it's going to start getting warmer on their sidelines than colder.
5: Tom, set me straight on something. If the Bears do activate uh, Tevin Jenkins today, which they are expected to do, or maybe it'll happen tomorrow, would he play in that game tomorrow or could he play in that game tomorrow?
4: Uh, He definitely could play because if you have a uniform on and you're active on a game day roster, you better be ready to play. You better be either chomping at the bit for your opportunity or waiting in the wings for when my number's called, I'm ready to go out there. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm just a little nervous for Tevin because I've, I've had the same back surgery and I know what it takes to recover from that, but you know you've you've been involved in unrealistic speeded practices you've never gone 100% in full pads to the point where you're ex- you're exhausted and you still got to get back in the huddle and run another five or six plays you know you just don't have the realism of uh, of an NFL game that you you haven't taken part of this year so i, I have some concerns but If his number's called and they want to put him in the game, if they're, you know, getting beat or they're winning by a big number and you have that luxury of putting him in the game, then, you know, get him him some snaps and and get him evaluated.
2: Talking with Tom Thayer, he is on the Bears radio broadcast. He and Jeff Joniak will give you the play-by-play and the analysis on our brother station, seven eighty. AM and one hundred five point nine FM, and Mark Grody will be on the sidelines in what we believe will be a yellow slicker and galoshes, depending upon <laughs> what Gene Grody does. Yeah, and what he Tom sh- knows, my mom right. provides. Right. Yeah. right, right. We have to do that. So the let's talk offensive line or continue that. Larry Borum, his progress, how he fits with that offensive line, and I don't want to get into the discussion of forcing a guy to play left tackle when um, Jason Peters, for now, is doing just what he needs to do. The the step up in class against uh, with Arizona's defensive line compared to Detroit, what will it mean for what the way this offensive line is constructed for the Bears?
4: Well, if you know the the one thing that Arizona is susceptible against, it's it's having the ball run run right at them, right directly at them. If they could if they take that away from you and then all of a sudden your offense becomes one-dimensional, I think it becomes more challenging for the offensive line as a whole because they have linebackers that are good pass rushers and they can move up and down the line of scrimmage. And if they think there's more vulnerability against Larry Borum than there is Jason Peters, then they'll challenge that side. They'll challenge um his moving to the exterior, try to put him on an island see if they can expose him to his right and left direction change and um you know there's high expectations for larry borum's future to me i still think that i would experiment and i would explore the left tackle uh, opportu- options for him and kind of get a feeling um of where tevin jenkins best fits in and can play the most confident uh, brand of football that they need out of him for the next decade but um you know, Larry's making strides, but he has a lot of improvement to make before, you know, he's going to, you know, be a part of an offensive line that you consider them being division winners, and ultimately, that's the goal of the Bears: is to make sure that you can put talent out there that are going to eventually go out there and compete to win a division. And that may not happen until Aaron Rodgers is gone, but still, you got to formulate a plan that your team is improving in every way, shape, or form that it can improve uh, in.
5: Tom, you said that you, you had the, the back surgery as it pertains to Tevin Jenkins. Have you ever had broken ribs as we turn to Justin Fields and what he might be dealing with? Because it seemed like, he, to, from my eyes, he looked pretty comfortable in practice this week.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought the same too, but, you know, the reality of it is, is if you still want to rely on your feet for some escapism, and you get into the open field and you don't have time to make a, a, a slide that keeps you away from taking any type of contact, or you have some unexpected sack coming from a blitzer that you're not aware of, I think that's when you, you challenge how how well that you're healed up. I did have it once in college when I was covering a punt, and I got jacked in the ribs. Yes. And it was, it was painful, and I I could I can understand what he's going through, but, um, you know, uh, Justin has to have all of his faculties about him to be an effective player at this stage in his career. And um, the worst thing that I would want to is expose him to some type of unexpected hit. That would be another three or four week setback. I'd rather keep him out of the out of the game for one more week and have him healthy down the stretch than challenge what Arizona does well and. Um, and, you know, when you know if there's a quarterback that has some type of injury like that, there's intent when you hit them, um, every team, ever, everybody across the NFL.
2: Especially a guy who fumbles like Justin Fields. Because what goes on in those fumble piles, they'll be looking at, okay, there's the ball. That's all right. I'd rather punch his ribs. I'd rather hurt him that way. I I wouldn't trust anything. You're right. I, I, I wouldn't trust any opponent with Justin Fields' ribs, especially when the way he puts the ball on the ground. You played special well, teams. You know-
4: this is, uh yeah in my freshman year in college I did and you know you play extra point field goal protection you kind of you know it when I was at Joliet Catholic we all we played special teams but yeah I was actually playing in a freshman game my first year against Wisconsin and uh um, my I, w- I was either snapping punts or covering punts and I was running with my head up and one of the little guys jacked me right in the
3: wrist <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, that, well what that's annoying guy. get him out of there
4: I, was, hey, I was, that's what he should have done, you know? I mean, he had an open shot at my ribs and took it.
5: And yeah.
4: It was hard breathing for the next couple of
2: weeks. Oh, that Speaking sucks. of your alma mater, yeah. let's let's discuss what happened um, at, at the um, – At the at college? The, at the his uni- college alma mater? At the University of Notre Dame, home go. of the sanctimonious frauds. And Brian Kelly leaves – Always got to say that, don't you? But it's true. Okay. <laughs> I it's mean, you're talking, to,
5: you're talking to a guy who went there. He and he knows it's true. I'm I not making it.
2: him admit it. Okay. So anyways, what the events that took place this week, the exit of a coach, the ascension of really somebody who seems it, rese- universally loved players, everybody else. What did you think about what took place at your alma mater?
4: Uh, you know, when Dan Devine left, he never came and addressed us personally. They just introduced Jerry Faust as the as the next head coach. Um, you know, to me, it was, they kind of showed their hand when they announced that uh, Tommy Reese was coming back as the offensive coordinator, because to me, it said, okay, they already have a plan in place who they're going to hire. They've already okayed it with this new person that they're going to bring in as the head coach. Um, And then when Tommy Reese turned down an opportunity to go with Brian Kelly to LSU, you had to think that there was, um, you know, a sneaky suspicion that they were bringing someone aboard that either has Notre Dame experience, familiarity with Tommy Reese. And then when they announced that it was going to be Marcus, I'm excited. You know, I I don't want to see a retread come through there and, you know, try to live on a past reputation. I would rather give it to a new guy that, Um, obviously by the sound of the players when they introduced him, that they were pretty excited that he was the man he was the guy that they are gonna elevate to that head coaching position and um, I think when you're going out there and recruiting these kids nowadays that you have to have a a guy that can see more eye to eye with them than a guy that's separated by decades um, and just trying to convince them to come to Notre Dame that that Marcus, uh, hopefully, and Tommy Reese and those guys will have a plan in place to capitalize on the success that's built there in the last eight or ten years.
5: Tom, did it bug you that the that Brian Kelly made the Notre Dame job look expendable, that he gets the, the offer at LSU and he just says, I'm out of here, gone, leaving Notre Dame behind, whereas maybe when you were there, that was the top job. Did it, did it bother you that LSU looks like a better job than Notre Dame?
4: No, you know it. It really didn't bother me because when I saw what the numbers are for these contracts, whether it's Mel Tucker or Lincoln Riley or now Brian Kelly, that God, how can you how can you not uh, take a chance on that? Because the buyout is more than a contract that any head coach would have gotten, you know, five or five or six years ago. Now they get the. uh, You know, I, I remember when I was being recruited as a high school senior and my brother was being recruited and the coaches would come through and say, oh, I, I've been on the road for three weeks or, you know, I just flew in from this state to come to this state. Now these guys with the private planes and, um, you know, how much, not easier, but how much, um, how much better they make the travel part of recruiting, you know, these guys, uh, and, no, so the 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 easy answer is no with Good. that type of money being thrown around.
2: Do you think with the 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 sound coming out of the college football playoff that the board the 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 people who will set the final four based on the games and seemingly and and it was said that Notre Dame's losing its coach would be a factor, which may or may not have hastened Marcus Freeman's ascension and Notre Dame squarely standing squarely behind them. Um, do you think that the fact that the college football board said that and Notre Dame, as Mark said, well, suddenly they can be outbid when nobody thinks Notre Dame should be outbid for anything, do you think this hastens joining a conference or makes no difference at all?
4: That's a good question because that's always a lingering part of the conversation is the fact that they're not playing in the conference championship game today. Um, So I do think it's a reason to keep Notre Dame out of the big picture playoff plan. Um, Even if Alabama gets beat today and, you know, Notre Dame is a one loss team. I think uh, coaches and football people around the country would rather see Alabama in the playoff uh, in the college playoff than they would Notre Dame. But um, I do think that uh, these guys not being in a conference still comes back to haunt them. But, uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to play in a conference and they have three good teams and seven lousy teams, what's the difference when you look at Notre Dame's schedule? Because they play, you know, a couple of teams that, you know, don't have that strong of a football background, but they still play marquee matchups uh six, five or six times throughout the course of a season that should be a factor in the decision and you know when you get beat by Cincinnati they, the way they did at home i don't think anybody wants to see him in in the playoff this year because of that loss no conference championship game and then Brian Kelly leaving but to me i'd like to see if no if alabama gets beat and michigan would get upset by iowa that notre dame would deserve an opportunity to to be in, in that
5: playoff. Will Jay Hilkenberg's Iowa Hawkeyes indeed uh, pull off that upset today against That's Jim say. Harbaughs? Against Jim Michigan Harbaughs. Wolverines. Yes, what say you? Uh,
4: I I don't I don't think so. I think Harbaugh is, you know, kind of the perfect storm. Uh, he's got a, you know, good outside defensive rushers. Um, although Iowa has not let, let a run of 30 yards or more this year, it'll, you know, it'll You know, make some challenges for the Michigan offense, but I I I do think um, when you have an even crowd and uh, you know you have Michigan coming off the win the win that they did against Ohio State and the way they beat them, um, I don't know. I I think you know Michigan right now they're eleven and a half point favorite.
2: Yeah, well, that's just that's just a sports book trying to figure out how it can get pay the winners with the losers money and keep the juice that's that's what the public is think of, that's what? what they're just thinking What the pilot what the public thinks that has nothing to but do with it. But you would think
5: that Michigan would be favored Steve it would it, I mean because like this Because in the eye
2: yeah. especially around here when you have a lot of Michigan alums you well, amazing Oh a ton Mason, of Iowa alums too Blue no oh, I don't they can't even spell alum so oh, I wouldn't come worry on. about that So <laughs> before we let you, before we let you go Tom Thayer... Uh, it was, you want to say
4: something about Joliet Catholic winning their 15th state championship congratu- last week? Congratu- Be careful, you congratu- might call them sanctimonious. <laughs> careful,
2: no. Yeah. Congratulations! No, that's awesome. On, yeah. on one of your alma on your alma mater winning, eight. it's 15th. Is that what it is, Joliet Catholic?
4: Yeah, oh. I believe so. It's a machine. Yeah. Okay, so you got to run. If you want to win championships, you got to run the ball. Yeah, there you go.
2: Defense. Yeah. Yes. So yesterday was the 36th anniversary of the release. Of the Super Bowl Shuffle, that song, and I don't wow. know that I've ever asked you what you thought of that or what your role in that was and how your hips are these that those days. <laughs> so whatever, when somebody says Super Bowl Shuffle, what's the snapshot or the picture that pops into your mind?
4: Um, the best reason why I didn't do it is Gary Fensik and Steve Fuller. After all these years. <laughs> Being caught on camera dancing and have to live with that film video. I'm a nice guy, Gary. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Hi. And and puller up there. Yeah, just never getting caught dancing on camera. That's always been my goal in life. (laughs) It it hasn't happened. And um, when we were flying home from Miami and Willie Galt was walking up and down the plane telling people that, they're going to film a video tomorrow morning at park West. and you'd like everybody to be there by this time. And I'm going, are you crazy? Have you, have, does Ditka know about
3: this? <laughs> you
4: know, you're going to go and, you know, that as we just lost our only game and how furious he was on the plane to go and start gaining, you know, gaining some momentum about going to park West and filming a video. So I, I didn't I
5: never even considered it. Hey, check this out, Tom. It's Gary here and I'm Mr. Clean. They call me the hitman. You know what I mean? That's why you didn't do it. That's <laughs> why you didn't do it.
4: Well, you no, know, it was more the dancing part because I know Gary is willing to light you up at any opportunity <laughs> That's that true. receivers crossing center midfield and what Doug Plank what those guys meant to that defense and the reputation they had. And you know, Gary, a clean cut looking guy and Oh, yeah. that kind of—he's a stuff. handsome man. Um, yes, you—you you raise your hands above your head and running a crossing route. He's going to give you some ribs to think about.
2: <laughs> so I don't know that I've ever heard you tell a Ditka on the plane story about that loss in Miami, and I wondered—and without costing the station its license, I don't know what you can repeat. But I was it common? Usually, the coaches are separate from the players on something like that. Was he pounding? the aisles and was was it like a library until he opened his mouth or or what was that plane flight like with him and what was he doing
4: uh you know it was kind of like a flying morgue you know we were just sitting there scared to death about losing the first game and how he was going to react because uh, it was monday night football we had meetings wednesday morning and you know back then um, if you were a player that had four or five bad plays or two or three bad plays, because he ran the projector in team meetings that you were going to be crucified. And he never, he didn't sit in first class with the rest of the coaches. He sat in an area back in coach where they had this little table that he would have set up. And he had a couple of buddies that traveled with us sometimes, and he would be sitting back there playing gin. So, <laughs> Um, you couldn't stand in the galleys laughing and giggling or else you kind of just had to sit in your seat and uh, stay quiet, uh, you know, get off the plane and go home and, and kind of think, you know, rehash the game over in your mind to see if you had any bad plays that you had to be prepared for when, as he was running the projector.
2: So it was like when your homeroom teacher got mad or you just had to shut up or you're worried about getting swatted. Only worse, bodies. you know, <laughs> it was
4: like, it, listen, you know, that was the one thing about it is you had to have thick skin because he didn't, um, you know, he took it out on everybody. And um, if you had those plays that were bad and he either challenged you with your job or talked about how that guys could be replaced easily or, you know, Hey, you know, talking to the backup in the meeting, saying, "Hey, be ready to practice tomorrow because you're getting a majority of the reps." You know, it was a it was a humbling experience throughout all those years that Ditka ran the projector. Because if, if you were if you didn't have that thick skin, man, it was it was an ugly couple hours.
5: But good was it a good experience, Tom? Do you look back on it now and say you were better off for having had Mike Ditka as your coach? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: I mean, it's you know. You know, you know, he—you he, he kind of had to live up to the expectations that he put, he had out for you. But he also did it himself. He was the toughest guy on the field when he played. He was not afraid of, you know, the collisions in the sport. He um, understood what work ethic um, was was all about. He understood that, you know, missed assignments affected everybody's job, not only yourself. So, you know, Dick had a great deal of respect in that room by every offensive defensive players alike and um you know, what he said goes, you know, he can and that's why he could say anything he felt he needed to say.
2: Did yeah, is he the one who told you don't get caught dancing on film? Is is was that where was that part <laughs> of the mantra? Do you have that laminated for your wallet? Was that, was that where mm-hmm. that life that. That was that was not a
4: life lesson that had to be taught to me. I know that I, fast, I know that I had no rhythm. I know that I sweat easily. So it was it was not a life
2: lesson that I had to learn. Tom, thank you for joining us. It was great. Thank you very much for ah, sharing for the stories. You All right. See you tomorrow, Tom. Tom Thayer of uh, WBBM's radio broadcast, our brother station, seven eighty A. M. one oh five point nine FM, he and Jeff Joniak, and they will throw it down to the sideline for my co-host
5: Mark Rowden. That's here. right.
2: You know what the best plane ride I was ever a part of with the Cubs was
5: like the most uh, like celebratory one was the Jake Arrieta no hitter in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. And do you remember that? And I, the, I and remember remember when you threw it yeah <laughs> That was such a because it's it's you're coming back from LA. It's a long trip. They were wearing the the onesies. For that trip. Oh, that was that trip. And it was just a big, happy celebration on the airplane on the way back from LA. I think it says
2: celebration like a onesie trip.
5: No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like it was. Some, and I just remember Jake Arietta. I sat next to Pat. And then you had Coomer and and Len Casper. Remember Len Casper? I heard of yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. Len Casper. He, he was up there. And I just remember Jake Arietta coming over by us. And had a, you know, had a couple cocktails and just hanging out with us, just talking to us, looking at some things. And it was just a very happy. Standing
2: there in his onesie.
5: And standing there in his onesie. <laughs> yes. Just a very, very happy trip home to Chicago. Don't
2: get caught dancing on film and don't stand in the plane aisle on a, with, a, one. with a, onesie. a onesie unless you throw in a no-hitter and then it becomes That That is a segment, my friend. Nice job. We're going to break this segment, and we'll come back later in this hour. We'll talk with Cody Decker down the line. We'll talk baseball. We'll talk Marcus Stroman. We'll talk, is he ready? Can he face the pressure here? I don't know. It doesn't seem like he handled it very well in New York. Exactly what we'll talk about. I'm Steve Rosen Lee's Mark Grody. Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
5: Got word from one of the PR people who had come out there to tell us what was happening. <laughs> And then it turned out to be a false positive. So hopefully, you know, it'll be something similar this time. But we simply do not know. And we're kind of in this holding pattern for information.
3: What am I hearing in the background? <laughs>
5: that, that would be Dave the Cat. Oh my God. I was like, we're, we're, what is that? I don't know. Well, we've
2: cat. had, our, as a multi platform show, as a multimedia megalopolis that we are. Saturday suckage. Thank you. Welcome in. Welcome back. We've had both on the text line. And by the way, our text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhunday.com And on the Twitter machine, questions about Dave the Cat. Oh, really? I did not see 630. That. Hey, boys. Enough about the stupid bears. What's happening with Dave the Cat? Signed, less likely. DTC, as I call him, Dave the Cat, hashtag DTC. Run DTC. Run DTC. <laughs> can, can we auto-tune that, Trash Panda? Can we auto-tune the, the screeches and get a run DTC? I think then- so. It's probably
5: a Tanny job. Yeah, you guys have understood. Aren't you a, a t-
2: I T-I, I can't even use the initials, Tanny in training. I was not about to spell that. Tanny in training. Yeah. DTC.
3: I don't know about that. D- okay.
2: So I, here's a quick DTC
5: thing Dave the cat today. 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 I busted out the 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 vacuum cleaner and the, actually it actually was like a dustbuster cuz I just needed to like get under the couch cushions, you know, sometimes you got to do that. Mm-hmm. So and Dave does not like you know, as, as most animals, they don't like vacuum cleaners, nor do they like dustbusters or whatever the hell the thing is. I have, and uh, I was really trying with Dave today to just not have him run away. He usually go when he is feels he's in trouble.
2: He goes in the bathtub because I don't know. It's like it, it's that's good. Um, tornado and earthquake, yeah, earthquake. You should be under a, um, a a some kind of arch of a door doorway, but it's good. The, the bathtub, that's good, earth, uh, it good is. tornado training. It's an interesting instinct that the cat has. But anyway,
5: I took out the Dust Buster, and this time I was like, oh, I don't want Dave to go. I want him hanging out with me. So I was like, I took it out, and I let him smell it, and he was like, okay, we're cool. And he was, at this time, he was laying on my printer, and uh, he's like, okay. This <laughs> as one is, does. As one does, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is, the, the, okay, we're cool. He's not running yet. I plugged it in, turned it on, and he was out of there. Right to the bathroom, into the bathtub where he was when I left my place. So there's a Dave the Cat story. He may still be in the bathtub when I get back home in about two hours. And that was the update. There, there's, there's the update. The that, update. That up to he's... the minute. That is an up to the minute update on the ongoings of Dave the Cat today.
2: Today. Did you ever think about getting that, that camera, that like cat sitter camera that, that oh, people have? I'd right? love
5: to see what my cat does when I'm not around. Is that what you mean? Like, yeah. See what he does? Isn't that
2: why people get those, like the, the dog sitter cameras? Yeah. The,
5: yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I would like to I, sometimes I ask him, I'll get home from work. I'll be like, Dave, what did you do today? And he just kind of looks at me like, you have no idea what I got into today. Don't you what don't you let Dave out in the hallway? I do. Like, render, that's 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 awesome. Oh, it's so cool. Like, yeah, he, he goes out there, and the good part about it is is that the first sign of anybody coming out of an elevator or coming out of their home, he runs back into my into the apartment. So he doesn't want any part of it, because, which is good because I don't want the people that I live with to think that I'm just letting my cat roam around the hallway, even though I do Isn't let my the, cat. That's what you do, though. I do monitor. I, it's only like I don't – every once in a while I forget. I'm like, oh, God, oh, they in the hallway. And he's like way down on the other end, sniffing around. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Dave. I didn't mean to lock you out like I did, but usually it's like five minute segments, and I just let him run the hallway.
2: He's a run in the hallway cat. Does Dave move faster when the dirt devil or the handheld vacuum uh, fires up, or when we're on the air? Oh, that's a good question. I'm probably when, when
5: we're on the air, he just puts his paw over his face. So
2: as does the Spilkus, yeah, the program does, director.
5: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. What do you guys have on? Okay, goodbye. I'm gonna yeah, go buy my right, day. yeah. Yeah.
2: To yeah. Sports.
5: So I think that there's it's a different move. Cats are awesome though. When they're in danger, they get real low to the ground and then they just scoot. Like 50 miles. They keep their pad level Uh, low. They they keep their pad, like the athleticism of cats Mm -hmm. is fascinating. So, if you're like a cat hater, and I know there's cat haters, like a part of why I love cats is that they are fascinating, athletic animals. Like they could jump high, the quick, like cat like quickness. That's where that comes from. Is that where it comes from? That's where that comes
2: from. (laughs) What were the odds? (laughs) We're going to take a break with the cat like quickness of a radio segue, and uh, we'll talk some baseball. Marcus Roman with Cody Decker of down the line. You hear him on the score. You're going to hear him on the score after this. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score.
3: At what point do you anticipate discussions will begin again? The league has said that the lockout
1: was a defensive measure undertaken to try and bring you back to the table.
3: Well, it was a strategic measure that was unnecessary and wholeheartedly their decision to the extent that discussions can continue, they can continue as early as tomorrow if there's an interest in doing so, which is why we've been saying since they made the decision that it wasn't necessary to continue the dialogue.
2: That is the measured response, the measured voice of Tony Clark, Executive Director of the Major League Baseball Players Association, talking about the owners, the evil owners. And I know I always sound sarcastic when I say that, but they are they're the bad guys in this whole thing. If you don't believe me, just ask our next guest. Welcome and in, welcome into Saturday Suckage, back to the score. The score's hotline is presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. We welcome back to the score, part of the score down the line. He's Cody Decker. Cody, thanks for coming on. How are you today?
3: Oh, I'm living a Twilight Zone version of the dream, almost like the first season of The Black Mirror where everything's a nightmare and baseball's completely shut down. How are you?
2: (laughs) We're doing great. After we saw baseball owners spend $1.4 billion in salaries, then they lock the players out. Woe is us. I don't know that it's it's that difficult to to identify the evil side in this, but it's the owners, and uh, as a former player – Why don't you give us your view of what this represents?
3: At the end of the day, and this is something I think fans really need to pay attention to, these next few months are going to be an absolute nightmare. There's going to be an outrageous amount of stupid opinions that are out there. There's going to be a ton of manipulation. There's going to be an outrageous amount of mudslinging. I cannot stress this enough. And you just mentioned the $1.5 billion that owners have spent in the last couple of weeks on new free agent contracts. But don't think for a second the timing of that wasn't on purpose because every offseason you've seen, you've seen spring trainings go, to, go full in effect with you know, skeleton crews with a lot of top free agents still available. This year, not the case. There's been a lot of talk about a lot of the word that's been thrown around a little bit has been collusion, teams that have been colluding together about driving down the market price. And the reason they've been, they've been thrown out there is because teams have not been signing guys. So now we're going into a CBA and all of these contracts get signed now the owners get the talking point of saying, hey, but obviously we're not doing that. Look, look at all this money we just signed. It's never real. It's always manipulation, and it's quite frankly insulting to our intelligence.
5: Cody, you're so right when when you say we're going to have to hear a bunch of dumb opinions. There's going to be reports coming out from both sides with you know everybody embedded with their individual reporters. So for me, the bottom line still is, and I want your opinion on it, When will baseball
3: start this year? I do, and here's the thing. I might be an eternal optimist at the end of the day because I do think the season will start on time. Really? I think the next form, I do think it'll start on time. I do think this is going to go into spring training. I think this is going to be the ugliest CBA negotiation we've ever seen. Um, I think, but I do think at the end of the day, the players will eventually come to the table and fold a little bit because I just don't think their union is as strong as it once was. It just isn't. Um, and it it honestly pains me to see that there's a lot of last CBA, the players association lost a lot of ground due to certain fears and really you know, hammering out comforts, uh, player comforts at the big league level, which quite frankly was a complete waste of time. And one thing they were really worried about was wearable technology. Turns out they don't need the wearable technology to get all these advanced stats and advanced mm-hmm. metrics to the biometric level of all these players. So that was a losing battle to begin with. And now the, now the owners actually have all those metrics and they get to use it against the players in arbitration. And they don't share those metrics.
2: We're talking with Cody Decker. Down the line, you hear them here on the score. You hear them on MLB Network. You hear them everywhere. Is there some place you don't do? It? Would you do somebody's bar mitzvah if they asked, Cody, would
3: you be? Able I to... have done a bar mitzvah, and I wish to God I wasn't kidding.
2: All right. We, <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about the union not being as strong, the Baseball Players Association has always been held up as the perfect union, the one able to withstand <laughs> all of the many. The only thing the owners can agree on is. They don't want to open their books, and the one thing the players have always agreed on is we're stronger than you, and they've always been stronger to the point where the owners were guilty, found guilty of collusion in the '80s. So, what is it? Why? What signs have you seen as a former member of this union that you don't think they're as strong that they can't withstand the owner pressure or break the owners the way they do on they have done on a regular basis?
3: Well, I'm actually going to say something that's going to be critical towards the Players Association, and hear me out when I do this, because I am very much on the Players Association side in this battle, but I do have a problem with the priorities of the Players Association, and this is what the priorities are, and that is taking care of the big leaguers. That's only less than 1% of the professional baseball players that are out there, and what I mean by that is we're talking guys in the minor leagues. We're talking guys... That are having to go to instructs all the time. We're talking, these guys don't make a livable wage and they don't even have a seat at the table in any of these negotiations. And the Players Association has made it abundantly clear they will not adopt these players. So I have an issue with the priorities of the players on certain things, but I don't like that a lot of the players' voices aren't heard in any way, shape, or form. Here's what the real issue to me really is. You just mentioned I have a show called Down the Line here on 670 to the Score. It's a baseball gambling show. We talk baseball gambling. Baseball gambling is very much going to be entrenched, not only in baseball, but in all sports going forward in the next decade. Uh, Baseball is going to be one of the first ones to really, really get into it. There's going to be more money in baseball than there ever has been. And you mentioned owners opening their books. Well, they won't open their books now. Do you think they're going to open their books when they start getting gambling revenues?
2: no i don't and i don't think i and, and I wanted to take that a step further as you talk about gambling and one of the issue- two of the issues are the owners are trying to push the universal d h onto the players and make that a talking point for them when the players know the owners really want the d h because it provides more they won't help the pace of play but it'll help the action and they can continue they can continue to press that and they won't they won't take The owners won't take ownership of that. But what we've seen, what we've heard, the owners have been manipulating the baseballs themselves. And as somebody who discusses gambling, as well as someone who discusses a player's future, an ERA or a batting average or slugging percentage, what is is your take on that? And how virulent do you think the owner's manipulation of the baseballs themselves, the actual objects, is? Okay,
3: so here, this is a massive can of worms. Obviously, you've heard about these baseball things. Uh, the baseballs being changed over the years, and that is true. The baseballs have been changed over the years. And here's the funniest part about it: we all knew about it, and the, you know, the Major League Baseball just kept pretending it wasn't happening. And I don't know why they kept pretending. We had fundamental proof that it was. Here's the thing about this that I'm not inclined to believe. I don't. I have yet to see any proof that they manipulated the baseballs in any way, shape, or form to manipulate stats. I think we're giving Major League Baseball a lot more credit than they deserve to be putting together the greatest criminal conspiracy of all time. Uh, They just are not, at the end of the day, they just are not that smart. It just isn't, they're not capable. Now, do I think it's a quality control issue in in, uh, Costa Rica where they're making the baseballs? Yes. Is there a massive issue with Major League Baseball owning Rawlings that makes the baseballs? Absolutely. It should, they should have, honestly, God, the league should not be touching the baseballs in any way, shape, or form just so we don't even have to have this talking point that maybe there is something going on where they have nefarious means with the baseballs because it's not out of the realm of possibility that the owners could feasibly do that. I just don't think they have.
5: Okay, I've officially reached my limit on on lockout talk. So, Cody, how, (laughs) what do you think of the Marcus Stroman (laughs) signing for the Chicago Cubs?
3: Listen, I love it. I'm a big Marcus Stroman fan. I think he brings a lot to the table. I don't understand why anyone doesn't love this guy's energy. He brings so much. He's interactive with fans. I think people in Wrigley are going to love this guy. What I actually like about it, even more is not the fact that signed Strowman because on the surface, you know, signing uh, you know, a potential ace with the rest of that staff and the way that team looks right now is a kind of a questionable move. It makes me, it just screams to me that they are going to try to make some more moves, and as they should. That division right now, the, Na- the National League Central is not very good. They could feasibly win if they go and get another arm, if they go get another bat. I hear there's a guy named Carlos Correa available. I hear that Wrigleyville has Buddy.
2: Yes, well, the idea of withstanding pressure, New York being New York and whatever it might or might not be, it has broken certain players. It has been made certain players flourish. And Chicago, Lupinella came here from New York and said that Chicago was worse. The media was worse than New York. Mm hmm. Because every loss, they want to take the belt off. And Lou Pinella had come here to retire (laughs) while still in uniform, and he wasn't allowed to do that, so they told him to take off the uniform. Marcus Stroman's ability to handle whatever kind of pressure there might or might not be in Chicago compared to New York, how will that play a role in his ability to be the ace for
3: the Cubs? I think it'll be fine. I I think it's a worry, but I don't think it's much of one. I think he's a professional at the end of the day. I think one thing that's really great about Marcus Stroman, you see him on social media, he's incredibly honest. He will tell you exactly what he thinks. And quite frankly, I think it's refreshing. I like him. I think he brings a lot of flair, and I think he's going to handle the Chicago market great. I really think Chicago fans are going to love this guy.
5: Is Is he an ace on a good pitching staff, though, at this point?
3: Maybe. It depends on the pitching staff. Right now, looking at the Cubs pitching staff, he's going to probably be the number two behind Hendricks, and I like that as a number two. He's a good pitcher. He's going to give you a good amount of innings. He's going to give you quality starts. He's going to field his position better than anyone else in the league. I really liked everything about the move, and I think the Cubs actually kind of got a steal.
2: What do you think of Wade Miley? He looks like a lot like whatever the Jed Hellyer was bringing in last year, and it didn't look like much of a change. And he said we were going out and getting power pitchers, and then he brings in Wade Miley. What do you think of that move, and where does he slot in?
3: He's a solid pitcher, probably in the third, uh, third slot, unless, of course, they go get another power arm. And, yeah, that is a worry uh, for me on the, on the pitching staff side. You mentioned that they wanted to get some power arms in there, as they should. They have too many guys that are, you know, I hate the phrase pitch to contact, but let's just face facts. They kind of do pitch to contact. Lower ground ball, higher ground ball rates, more contact rate with certain pitchers. I do think they need to get a couple of bigger arms in there, Um, but I think this team's staff is actually starting to kind of come together a little bit. I think this team's going to be better than we've given them credit for.
2: Cody, we appreciate your time. Great talking with you, and uh, love your insight, and we'll look forward to having more conversations if they present themselves.
3: Anytime. Call me. I have no friends.
2: Well, that's good. Neither do we. We're Saturday seconds. We suck, so nobody else has to, and we do it as a public. (laughs) This is our day of service for america thanks cody
3: well thank you for servicing me today
2: see you man cody decker down the line you hear it on the score he's terrific brings great energy great insight and and i do think i i it's an excellent point about major league baseball is just too clumsy and stupid and ham-handed to manipulate the balls yeah but yeah but that's as a group there might be one person in there who could do that maybe rob manfred who hates baseball yeah, we clearly. know that doesn't like. It. Just said, Trophies. he Found his guy, and he said, "You know what? Go ahead and do whatever you want with the baseballs. Just make it so we don't have to pay as much, or we yeah. we don't have guys going off in big years. We'll look the other way." Yeah, yeah.
5: I, I will disagree with uh, one thing that Cody. The Cubs have a long way to go before they're good. I mean, th- this it's, is a nice signing. I, I it, this is a. Hurrah. Yay, yes. Marcus Stroman. Good step. Good. Yeah. It is a small, well, let's say it's a medium-sized step. they got a long way to go if if you're going to pull the hole. I think Cub, the Cubs are going to be better than people think they are because right now they, they are not better than people think they're going to
2: be. In the early days of the score, perhaps this would be one of the score stories that Layla should learn, is the, the legendary words of Reverend Watkins. The Cubs don't have to get better. Everybody else just has to get worse, <laughs>
5: just a little bit, right? Uh-huh. Wasn't it a little bit? Right. Just a little bit worse.
2: See, that's and that that is the the mantra. Those are
5: words to live by. Okay, if that if that's the era of Cubs baseball we find ourselves in, from the golden oh, yeah. era of Cubs baseball to the hopefully everybody else in the division got a little bit worse this year. Era of Cubs baseball. There you go. So All what right. have we learned this hour, guys? Don't get caught dancing on video. Yep. <laughs> yep. And <laughs> the the Cubs don't have to get better. Everyone else has to get worse. right? And and the owners are not capable of pulling man- off a ruse with the baseball. Or I should say. Manipulating the structure man- of the manipulating baseball. Manipulating the structure of the baseball. Yeah. I like the, I like the word good, ruse. Good, good recap. Good yeah. recap. Yeah. yeah. Good job. There you go. What a good right, show today, well, we're going to
2: learn next hour will be Chuck Sworski's take on the Bulls going yeah. in to play the first place Nets. Cool. And we uh, will talk to the Sworsk about he was he was. Right there with the 85 Bears as we are 36 years and a day after the release of Super Bowl Shuffle.
5: <laughs> and
2: um, we do have audio. We have our armada of audio. will include, come on, it's Bears Cardinals. we got to play that again, oh, don't we? Oh, I know what's coming. And we had, there's a national day we need to talk about that will be next and a birthday that Fits into the Wake and Bake Club. So we'll all do all that. Who doesn't take it a game seriously in the third game of the preseason? Really? that's We're going to find okay. out. Okay. He's Mark Crony. There's... I'm Steve Rosenblum. Dave the Cat is somewhere. Chicago Aww. Sports Radio, 670 the score.